Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, how to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, how to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. So, we're going to go in three, two, one. Lions Lounge Lockdown, episode 22. Ian Bogey. Ian, thanks for joining us, mate. Great to be here, Dan. Good to see you. Good Looking to see well, you. mate. Looking very, very well. Yeah, like I said, it's this beautiful climate we've got up here in Newcastle. <laughs> better than it is down there in Cockneyland. Much better. <laughs> so you joined the club, obviously, in 1991, but we're going to go yeah. um, the same route as for the ones who saw the Paul Stevenson interview. You came through yeah. the ranks with Steve-O at Newcastle yes. and with uh, a little-known England player called Paul Gascoigne. Yes, yes, yeah. Well done, yeah, it was a, that was a memorable time in obviously our lives and, and Steve, I would have told you all this and uh, apprentices together, schoolboy forms, you know, me and Steve obviously grew up, with, we came through the same uh, boys club team, Walls and Boys Club, the famous boys club team who nurtured the likes of uh, Alan Shearer, Peter Beardsley, Steve Bruce, the current Newcastle manager, so they've had some great players, so we came through the system there, uh, John Newcastle is uh, YTS uh, players, schoolboy forms. Incidentally, me and Steve actually went down to, when we were kids, I think we were about 13, went to Chelsea on trial together as well, Ooh. down in London. So when we were kids. So I had a host of clubs we went to and obviously we were two decent players from the North East at the time who had a pick of clubs to choose from. But being from the North East and big Newcastle supporters, as ultimately we wanted to play for Newcastle and uh, could say we lived the dream. We came through, we, like I said, as scholars were... Um, a great youth team won the youth cup. I think it was the 83 84 season. And you've mentioned the likes of Gaza, but there was out of the 15 man squad, we had at uh, Newcastle in, as YTS players, first and second year apprentices. There was uh, nine players from that squad played in the first team at Newcastle. Um, around that. You know, the likes of me and Steve, Gaza, Kevin Scott, who got a move to Tottenham from Newcastle, Joe Allen, Brian Tinian, who had a good career left back. Um, Gary Kelly, the goalkeeper. So there was nine players from that squad actually played in the first team at Newcastle, and then what was the top flight? So it was a great, um, a great story, and the, there were great times when we were kids. Did Gaza live with you for a bit? Apparently, Steve, I was saying. Yeah, well, like I said, we grew up together. Gaza, um, he lived, he lived with my mom and dad for a period of time when we lived in the East End of Newcastle. Uh, some great, great stories about Gaza. He was a real character, top, top player. Do anything for anybody, you know, everybody's aware of that. 
Uh, sad, obviously, to see his, his, his current play, but uh, we haven't spoken to him for a while, to be fair. And we're just hoping he's on the right path, you know, because he's a, he's a diamond of a fella. Mm, some player as well, mate. Just like I say, it's, oh, it's, God. it's a great return for your youth system there, for Newcastle's youth system. Well, I think I think Dan, that that was the that was the norm on it. I think, particularly obviously the modern era and the way the games evolved. I think teams like Newcastle had to rely on kids coming through. They didn't have the multi millions, which the clubs ultimately have at the disposal now. They had to rely on players coming through, you know, and that's what that's what happened then. And young players were given opportunities then. So, and it's it's harder to come by. I have to say, particularly at the top flight now. So you go to Preston from Newcastle, and then eventually yeah. you come south in 1991 to Millwall, sold the dream by Bruce Rioch. Well, yeah, well, I had two years at Preston North End, and it was one of them with the Bosman uh, rule and what I, I was out of contract at Preston. And I would have quite happily stayed at Preston had they offered us a, a, a decent enough contract to stay because I thought I had, I'd had done well enough there to, uh, to earn a, a, a better contract, so to speak. So what happened is that um, I got a call from a Bruce Rioch's assistant, I think it was at the time, it was Ian McNeil, who says they were interested. Uh, then I didn't, um, I didn't think I used it, with, didn't have an agent or anything like that at the time. Um, and what happened, uh, the, it, it went down to a, a tribunal. It had to be set a tribunal at, uh, I think it was at Stoke City's ground. Gordon Taylor was on the panel and obviously the representatives from Preston who wanted, I think at the time, 350,000. <coughs> Millwall were only prepared to pay about 50,000. And the fee was actually set at about 100 and 125, 125 or 145 at the time. So I think Millwall were a bit, were a bit gutted because then we think they were going to get as far around mm. about 50 to 100 grand. And, and obviously Preston thought they were going to get a lot more. So yeah, I went down and it was on a on a, a time where Millwall signed a host of players. Obviously, Bruce Rio was the manager, mm. and I recall that um, I signed at the same time. There was Colin Cooper, Chris Armstrong, John Colhoun. Um, them signed at the same time. Mm. It's a good uh, yeah, yeah, and it was a, it was a good, probably a, a good time for you know Millwall during their in their history in terms of. Uh, style of play and how they played at the time. That was a, it was a real good, solid side. And I can remember, obviously, going, you mentioned Brian Horn, the goalkeeper, Keith Brannigan, the likes of Kenny Cunningham, Ian Dawes, Reino, um, Keith Stevens, Alex Ray, Paul Kerr. Um, Man, there's a lot of competition for places oh, in, your, in your position as well. Well, the competition for placing, particularly in me, because yeah. when I, at the time I went, the team pre- uh, predominantly played a 4-4-2 formation if I recall right and when I went there they had the, the competition for places was quite fierce Alex Ray was a young player coming through mm. uh, one of the fans favourites he was a, a, probably a mainstay at the team being a young player so I had to go and then try to shift the likes of him there was Paul Kerr they brought a lad in from I think they got him from uh, Holland Etienne Fervier can I remember yeah. him Yes, right. Yeah, he was a yeah. big, strong, powerful midfield player. You know, he had some, he had some good games on Millwall. So competition was fierce. You know, it was, um, it was like I said, it was a good time. But it, like I said, at the old den as well. And um, so during that period of time, uh, I think in total, I just played over fifty. I only played over fifty times for Millwall yeah. in, the, in in two seasons. When, um, when you signed for um, when you signed for us, was there other clubs interested? And what made you decide to come south? So, it's a long way from uh, long way from Wolves End. 
Oh, you know what it is, Dan? It, it's one of them as a footballer at the time. I think you had to go where the work was. Mm. And Millwall offers an opportunity, I thought. Initially, when I left Newcastle as a young lad, at 20, 21, to, to sign for Preston, you're always a bit apprehensive at the first move. Moving away at the time, I had obviously me... Um, it was then my fiance, me, 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 who was my wife now, you know, and you, you had a youngin on the way. And you're always a bit apprehensive of the first move. But once we made the first move and cut your teeth going to Preston, it wasn't, it wasn't a problem. I can always remember I even hired a van, hired a, uh, a removal van myself, and I drove from Preston with all the stuff and with the missus and the youngin in the front. To when, when it, we actually did shift and we, we, we rented, it was fantastic to be fair. Bruce Rioch, I'd have to say at the time, in terms of accommodating his players and looking after his players, it was very professional. Yeah, I can remember he got uh, in a, a local letting agent to uh, run the likes of me, Coops, uh, Chris Armstrong, John Colhoun around the local southeast area to pick a property. And we got, uh, I think it was three to six months rent free from the club. Just to get a base, so you wanted you know you didn't want you travelling back and forth from where you're from and having your missus here, then you're being unsettled. You want everybody, so he got uh, a, a local letting agent to run around and, and pick a property that we liked. Nice. And we got free rent. And that was a great touch. It was a great, uh, great touch. It just shows you like we I've, we've laughed then, but it just shows you yeah. how far the games come. Can you imagine? You know, a Premier League player or a Championship player driving his own removal van. Honestly, honestly, actually. I drove it down to because when I first moved to Millwall, we moved to Bromley. Yeah, I rent actually, like I said, the letting agent. I picked a, a townhouse in Bromley. Um, and I always remember the name of the place, Avondale Road in Bromley, just beside the uh, I think it was a Merc garage on the corner. Dartford was down the bottom of the bank. So again, you know, the it just seems like yesterday. Drove the removal van, me and the missus dumping everything in the house. Uh, and I can remember the, the <laughs> about a six months into the, the stay in that place, we got burgled. And uh, honestly, and it was it was coincidental. It was that we had a, a couple of games where we stayed a couple of nights away. We played Tranmere and I think it was Port Vale, double like a Wednesday and a Saturday. So we just stayed down in the area. Yeah. And they knew I think somebody had been watching. Somebody had broke in. And you think when they break and they, they nick all your, the, the crown jewels, me Rolex watches, which I never, ever had. They took three CDs. They, broke, they, they took chicken caves out the fridge. And that was it. <laughs> they, probably just want, they just probably needed somewhere to stay for a couple of days while you was away. <laughs> so so uh, that, was, that was the memory of Bromley then. Obviously, getting, getting settled in there. We're, we're, then I, I bought a property in uh, Bexley Heath. I lived in Bexley Heath, which... Again, I, we loved living there. It was a great, great place. It was really... That's where I live, Bexley Heath. Bexley Heath? Fantastic. Yeah. What did you live in? I lived... Um, yes, it was Cranbrook Road, yeah, just next to the Pantiles. Oh, the Pantiles, by the old Hague pub, yeah. Yes, I mean, young and used to go to school around the corner. There was oh, a little right. school around the corner, a little primary school. Nice. So the Pantiles was just around the corner then... Uh, Great. And you know what it is at the time, I'm coming out delving away from the football. So at the time at Millwall and I had to move on, I rented my house to this bloke and he actually wrecked the house, flooded it. So I went back and checked it and he actually, the, the whole house was destroyed. Oh. And I says, right, this is it. I'm selling it. So then I paid 96,000. It was a three bedroom semi, semi-detached in Cranbrook Road. 
I know what they go for now, yeah. Well, I got a, I can remember it was about 13 or 14 percent of the mortgage rate with Cheltenham and Gloucester and Bromley when I've got a mortgage. And when I kept in touch with the next door neighbor, she was seen, Ian, you fucking never believe the prices of these houses now. God, I says, Aunt, please don't sell it. Don't tell us. The house, this was like a year or so later, I just went, yeah. what? They're probably about half a million now down the same yeah, house. Half a million but I decided to just cut me losses and got rid of it. Now I, I just got my money back basically at the time. And Steve, I'll tell you a story. He was in Welling. He actually lost out on his house when he sold his house and living in Welling, you know. Jesus. But uh, we loved living there. But, you know, Bexley Heath was a, a, a great place. And we really enjoyed living there. What was your but, first impressions um, of the club? First impression of the clubs, like I said, uh, uh, moving from present to... Uh, Bruce Riach was very methodical in his training. Uh, regimental, obviously the discipline. You could see from you know where I had been in the past that the players weren't allowed to come in to training with jeans on. They had to be clean shaven and and look the part. And that obviously came from his, you know, his background with his dad being, I think it was a sergeant major or whatever in the army. I heard or you know, it, it, but um, the first impressions was good. The players, the standard of players was very good. The sessions were, I'd have to say. Bruce Rioch probably opened my eyes in terms of coaching. From what I was used to, he was very, a uh, very good coach. I'd have to say that. Yeah. Working alongside the likes of Steve Harrison and uh, Ian Evans, who were his his, his back backroom staff, who were fantastic. I'd have to say, we great, with, a, with nothing but gr- brilliant things about Steve Harrison. Not just oh, a great coach, but a great character as well. What a bloke! What a character! Yeah, what a character! Which is, he knew how to mix it. You know, you had to got the balance right when it had to be. You know. Get your focus on, and, and, and you went to uh, enlighten the lads, which he did on uh, numerous occasions. He was fantastic. What a character! And like I said, the the, the impression of the club was, you know, the old den. As soon as I went the, the first time of the first game, and that intimidating place. And I can imagine what it was like for the opposing teams. Um, but like I said, the, the, the fans being so close to the pitch and what side of the atmosphere was always good. Um, but and I had, the, I had that good fortune as well, just moving forward, I think, when they actually the, the move from the old den to the, the new stadium. You know, mm-hmm. I was obviously part of, part of the squad and part of the team who actually opened the, the, the new den uh, with Bobby Robson's Sport and Lisbon team coming down. Mm-hmm. Before, obviously, I sent you across. That was uh, from that game. So, in terms of the standard of the players, I thought some of the players there were very, very good in it didn't surprise us that some of them obviously went and played at higher level further down the line. Yeah, it was um, it was a strange one because the, the season before you arrived, we just literally missed out in the playoffs, having come down from the top division the season before. Then the season you arrived, some, so yourself and some other very strong players, you know, especially like, like Colin Cooper. Yes. And it just didn't work, did it? It just didn't work. And then obviously somewhere along the line, Bruce Rowe loses his job. Well, I can remember, I think... It was the Portsmouth. I was. I was. I can't remember. I started that game. I come off the bench at Portsmouth away. We got absolutely butchered. I think it was six. I think we got beat six one or six two or maybe have been six nil. Hey, and uh, Darren Annan. Hey, he played for Portsmouth on that day and he ran riot. And I think, and I'm more than sure that Bruce lost his job after that game. Yeah, he did. Yeah, he, he did. Yeah, uh, uh, and obviously Mick McCarthy was. Uh, Part of the part of the playing staff at the time, uh, and they put him in uh, temporary charge with a view, obviously being permanent. I think it was at this stage, and 
you know, I got on famously with Mick as a player, you know, or teammates and what are you, not a problem. But ultimately, you know, Mick had his own ideas and how in terms of how he wanted his team to play, et cetera, et cetera. And, uh, and within a few weeks, uh, a month or two months, I found that I really wasn't going to be part of his plans, to be fair. Mm. Mick changed the system. He, he went to... Um, he went to play, he played the diamond shape a lot, you know. And it was Malcolm Allen who played in that role just in behind the two strikers. He favoured yeah. Malcolm. Um, he gave us an opportunity. It was, it was one of them that me and Malcolm flitted in and out the team. So I played as a number 10. Malcolm came in. Malcolm played three or four games. I might come up the bench. I played two games and came out. But he favoured Malcolm more, I would say. Yeah, uh, and it was only until I think Malcolm got sold to Newcastle that Mick and I went to Leighton Orient, I think, on loan. Maybe it's just before then. I had a more of a run in the team. Yeah, you know, I got more opportunities that season. The first full season, McCarthy in charge. Yes, yeah, I, think, I think you played twenty-three games that season and twenty-three games the season before. Jamie yeah. Morley came in, and uh, yes, the last season at the, the old den, of course, we came close again. Yeah, we spoke to John Goodman about. Um, a game and the goal he scored when he when he jumps up on the fence and you run up behind him and pull pull his shorts down. We'd be shorts down. Was it height? You know what it is, Dan. Again, I can't remember that. But uh, that's something. <laughs> that's something I probably would have done. I'll send you the, I'll send you the video. You see with the fence? Yeah, the fence was that at the the old den. Yeah, he wasn't happy. He didn't look happy at the time, John. Is he? The, he jumped up on the fence and just went clonk. Thanks for coming. <laughs> 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 yeah, that's a belter. Well, we can laugh at it now. I think it was not me then, but I'm crazy. It's a belter now, and when you look back, but um, yeah, they're the sort of things out. Yeah, like I said, we grew up with the likes of Gaza. We're, we're always pranking each other. It was quickly done and neatly done as well. And here's one for Morley to chase, and he just about catch it, will he? Yes, he does. And the ball swung across the face of goal, and that's a lovely goal as well. John Goodman this time. Perfectly placed the header. But yeah, you know, you mentioned the likes of uh, Jamie Morali, um, who came through. He he was one of them. He had a real hot streak as well, didn't he? Never mm -hmm. stopped scoring for a spell. Uh, John Goodman up the top end of the pitch. I can remember them bringing in Mark Falcao. Um, uh, John Byrne, who was a, a, a good goal scorer for Sunderland at the time. So there were some good players at the club, looking back, some real, real good mm. players. And they were, they were good times. I'd have to say they were good times. I enjoyed my time. Probably never seen uh, the best, the best Millwall supporters, never seen the best of us. They could probably say inconsistent, to say the least. Mm. Um, I had some decent games. I had a few real good games. Had a lot of indifferent games. Um, so you consistency. That's... It's probably like, it's, it's what I've just went on to say beforehand, Dan, is probably getting a run of games in the team. Yeah. And ultimately, me as now as a coach, you've got to earn the right. And as, as a manager, when you're looking at a player, you say, right, give him an opportunity. Uh, give him another opportunity. If he ain't doing it, you, you've got to get somebody else in. So I understand it a bit more now. Yeah. So if I had them one or two in different games and there was somebody chomping at the bit, in the back, you know, in the background, whether it be a Malcolm Allen who was playing well and deserved his opportunity, or maybe he's had to step down and and start again. So it was, it was difficult. It was, a, I'm saying, a difficult time. It was a, a time I enjoyed at Millwall, but um, probably I frustrated a lot of people with me inconsistencies.
Mm. Yeah, but honestly, like you know, you're right. You need a run of games, and there's a yeah. few players, obviously, in our squad now. And you, they, they just need that run. And once you once I've had that fifteen twenty, it can make all the difference. But you probably had less of less of uh, an opportunity or less less um, what's the word like less slack. You cut less slack because the people in your position that also played there, Paul Kerr. As we said, Andy Ray, young Andy Roberts coming through. Andy Roberts coming PT. through, yeah, 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 yes, yeah. Again, like I said, some talented players, some good mm. players. Uh, and like I said, if uh, if they're coming in and they're doing the business, hey, you've got to stand and wait again, haven't you? That's that's the nature of the beast in the football industry. So mm. I understood that, particularly when I started to mature a bit more. You know, when obviously I came to Millwall, what was I? Uh, 23, 24, I think I was. Uh, again, when Mick got the job, got a few opportunities, played a few games under Mick. Um, then I had the opportunity. He says, "Look, I'm going a you know a different direction. You're not going to really be part of my plans." I says, "Right, then what?" He says, "We've got one or two opportunities. A um, couple of clubs in for you." And I says, "Go on." And who? He says, "Swansea. Swansea want to buy you." Andy May was another player, centre midfield player. I've got yeah. to mention Dan. He was another player. Uh, who was you know, a, a, probably a, a similar ilk to what I was, classed as a ball player, who was favoured ahead of me. So Mick says, look, there's an opportunity. Swansea want to buy you. I says, right. So what's the situation? Well, anyway, I went away. Um, I agreed to meet Swansea. <laughs> it's a good story, actually. Here you go, Dan. Chris Armstrong was using an agent in London called... Johnny Mack, he might be still running, by the way. A kid called Johnny Mack was an agent. And Chris, I was pally with Chris. My missus and his missus got on famously. He says, he says, Bugs, why didn't you use my agent? I says, Chris, I've never used an agent. Fucking, they just take the money off you. I'd rather have the money in my pocket. Give it to them fuckers. He says, um, look at you. And I, I says, go on and I'll give it a crack. So anyway, I met these two agents. It was the agent and his, his sidekick in a London that was in... Uh, over in the West End. And the, the Swansea contingent were coming across to meet me. The manager was Frank Burroughs at the time. I can't remember the chairman. Chairman came, chief executive of Swansea. So anyway, I sat and talked to the Swansea manager about how he wanted me to fit into the team, etc. And this agent was talking to the chief executive and the, the chairman about the finances, which obviously later on, that's wrong. So the dean could be doing some dodgy deal in here, I'm thinking. So anyway, within an hour of me discussing how I'm going to fit into the manager's uh, plans at Swansea and how he wants me to play in his team, uh, the agent pulls me aside and he takes us in a room and he says, look, the Swansea have offered you this, that, and this. And I stood up and I went, because I had a mind, something in my mindset would it be acceptable to me and the missus and me youngin to move away. Do you know what I Because mean? I was quite happy living in South London. I thought, mm. you know, at the time... Um, I says, uh, I stood up, I went, fuck, I ain't fucking signing for that, mate. No chance. I got up. He went, oh, whoa, 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 whoa. Them have just drove three hours down the fucking motorway. He says, you kind of just go in there and say, he says, give us five minutes. And I'm not kidding you. This is how fucking corrupt it was at the time. I'm telling you. He walked out that door in this room. He must have walked down the bottom of the corridor. He walked back in and it was upped by 5,000 pounds. So I knew I smelt a rat straight away. Honestly. So he's obviously done a deal trying to give you a little bit less. Yes, yes, yes. And thinking, if I can get him for that, will you give me? Yes, sure. And that was, and I, you know, me, this is me learning, maturing yeah. a bit, going away. 
So I went up and I went, okay, then I says, I'm, I'll go back and I'll discuss it with me missus. So I'm driving, I'm, I'm not, actually I got the train in the uh, centre of London. Having to think about it and going back. And when I got in the house, <laughs> the phone went. And it was Mick McCarthy, the manager. He says, Bugs, how are you doing? He was desperate for me to get out the door. He was relying on getting this 100 and, I think it was 150 grand or whatever it was we were going to get off Swansea, the deal, for him to bring another player in. He says, the deal's done. And what I says, uh, no, what, what do you mean, Mick, the deal's done? He says, you're happy with the deal? It's a good deal I've offered you. So only Mick's been in cahoots with this agent. He knew with a deal, and I'm thinking, hey, what is hell? I says, no, nah, Mick. I says, I'm not happy. I says, uh, the money I require, they're still short. He says, how much are you short of? <coughs> now, it is, Dan, I could have mentioned any figure at the time. I think I said about five or six grand, I think. He says, five or six grand? He says, I tell you what, get yourself down to the new den tomorrow. We'll write you a check for that six. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Grand. And that would make up the money. I went, fucking hell, I could have said fucking 20 grand. <laughs> so anyway, honestly, so what, what happened then is that it just made my head spin, right? Through the night, I'm thinking, I wasn't really, it didn't really convince us, right, going to Swansea at the time, because um, I was actually at Leighton Orient on loan. Yeah. Prior to Swansea want the buyers. And I was doing well at Leighton Orient. I was, you know, ripping it up there. And in, in that time, I knew Stockport County, Stockport County were in the, 
can't remember whether they were the same league. They would have been in the championship. Yeah, they would have uh, been. They would have been around, yeah. yeah. And, and then and, and I come come back to that one, but and I says to Mick, I says, no, nah, Mick, I said, I'm nah. He says, how much? I says, six grand. Come tomorrow and write a check. I said, oh, okay then. So I slept on it, and the next day I was meant to. I think it was. I was meant to go to Paddington Station and get a train to Swansea to sign for Swansea. I had my bag packed, and uh, I was at the door in, in Bexley Heath, and I put my bag on the floor and I turned around. This is the missus. I says, Kim. I says, I ain't going. I says, it doesn't feel right. I had a good feeling that this wasn't right. She says, you've agreed everything. I says, nah, I ain't gone. I says, I meant to go. I says, I'm not. It's not happening. Mick phoned us up. He says, right, folks. He says, everything's sorted. You come down to the club and what are you? <coughs> I said to Mick, Mick, I'm sorry to disappoint you. I ain't going, mate. He went, you're fucking what? <laughs> he says, you fucking, who do you think you're fucking are? Who do you think you're going to say when you give? Who do you think you're going to say for Liverpool or Man United? You're fucking joking. And he was absolutely <laughs> raging on the phone because I'd never agreed because he was reliant on this money coming in to get the deal done. I says, Mick, look, I've had to think about it. I've had a real good feeling. I'm doing really well in, in late Orient. I think there's going to be a bit more interest. Something that's going to really suit me. Yeah. yeah. Actually, he slammed the phone down and I remained. I stayed at late Orient for the period. Then I think a couple of nights later, I got a phone call. It was like, a, and I thought it was one of the late Orient players. He phoned us up and he is, hello, hello, hello. I went, hello, mate. He said, he went, hello, is this here, Bogey? I went, I says, I went, fuck off, Sam. I says, stop taking the piss. He went, you fucking, you fucking come to me. I'll show you how to bend the ball. I went, fuck you off, Sam. You da-. And it was Danny Begora, the old Stockport County manager. Right, I, thought I know him. Was, I yeah. thought it was one of the lads taking the piss from late Northern. <laughs> you don't get me to fuck off. Who are you talking to? And anyway, he wanted, it, he wanted me to go to Stockport County, but I had played for late Northern a few a week or so beforehand and then were really Kevin Francis six foot six foot seven centre four remember him yeah I do yeah they just, they just boomed everything in the midfield I was a midfield I will try to play in the midfield I wouldn't got a kick so that was another story on that so the bottom line is I stayed at Leighton Orient till the end of that season Dan <coughs> and Leighton Orient agreed a fee they couldn't Leighton Orient couldn't afford the purchases at the time they had to wait for season ticket sales at the beginning of the season and I think they got us for about 50 grand from Millwall right and that, and that was it so I just stayed in my place in Bexley and I went obviously down to Leighton Orient yeah you can just travel that one can't you and I, it was just through the Blackwell Tunnel had a That's decent it, yeah. uh, the thing is with Mick McCarthy he's got to understand surely if you didn't feel that as the right move for you and your family then you ain't going to do it you ain't going to be strong armed into it well Dan that, that is that is being a manager you know and Mick was obviously yeah. New into the game as a manager, and I think he obviously reflects on things that he's done. Of course, yeah. He was still just coming from a player to a manager, and he think, "Oh, I did that? I did that wrong." And he's just grown into that role. You know what I mean? Yeah. So looking back, he would have done the same thing, and I'm Mick. He would have done exactly the same thing. Yeah. But uh, yeah, disappointed on that one. But uh, and it probably cost the club a nine hundred grand. I think going to late Orient. Um, when you mentioned him there, you said you saw you saw you have an agent, Chris Armstrong. Chris Armstrong was a great big, kid. What, 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 what a player he was. It was a, it was a bit of a whirlwind Chris. for him when he came in, done really well, got sold. Then he oh. went on to Spurs again after that, didn't he? Yeah, yeah. Great diamond of a kid. nutcase, no, would he? <laughs> well, no, you know what it is? He was a real, real quiet kid at Millwall. He was just a, a, a quiet, a, a, you know, he just got on with his job. 
lightning quick, had an eye for a goal. He's, he had, like we said, he, he rapid pace. And, um, you, you know, he had good supply, obviously, from the midfield with the likes of Alex Ray and Paul Kern. You know, wide players putting th- delivery into the box. Phil Barber, he had Paul Stevenson and John Colquhoun. So there was good service there. And, and, and he, he flourished and got a great move to Crystal Palace and kicked on to go to Tottenham. Mm. He was a great kid. You know, deserved the move. And um, so, yeah, it was, <laughs> it was good times, huh? Also, another player, we're talking about, you know, a, a massive influx of midfielders. You know, in the second season for you at the club as well, uh, Gavin McGuire yeah. was a lot come along as Gavin, well. Gavin, uh, I got on famous with Gav. Gav was a, he was like a midfield enforcer though, wasn't he? You know, I think his, um, the history of his, his time at QPR, he was a tough, no-nonsense, uh, win it and give it to the ball players, midfield player. Gav, but a smashing kid. Uh Obviously, big pals with Malcolm Allen, I can remember. He was uh, probably with Malcolm, with obviously his Wales connection. But he was a smashing kid. And I think I, I was in contact with Gav not so long in, ter- in terms of the, you know, this, the social media, the LinkedIn. The last time I heard, I think, a job that I think Gavin would never do. He was a blooming barber. He went on to be a barber. Oh, into yeah. the hairdressing. <laughs> Gav, yeah. Yeah, I'm but, uh, on Facebook. Yeah, he is. He was a barber, yeah. He's a barber, aye. But uh, great kid. Like I said, some... Great bunch of lads at Millwall, I have to say. Fantastic. Some good characters. Got on famously with everybody, you know, and it was a, and it was a, a time in my career that, I, although, like I said, the supporters understand that I wasn't fantastic. I had some really good games, inconsistent games, but um, I enjoyed my time there, for sure. Mm. So, the... The last season, it's a, it's a weird one. I researched it earlier. The last season at the club for you. Obviously, we yeah. leave, you, didn't, you didn't play in the last game at the old den. You didn't... You didn't uh, was, you, was you on loan at that point? The last game? The last game at the old ground. Because we went from the old ground to the new ground, didn't we? We lost I, th- I tell you, Rovers. to Bristol Rovers. I don't think he was involved with that. You, might, may, you may still have been on loan. Possibly, possibly. But I played the... I'll tell you what, I played... I can remember, because it was a TV game, South End at home, on a Sunday... Yeah, so that's the that first was, game. That was the first home game at the new ground. So, no stadium. I played in that game. I yeah, played in that game. Yeah. I remember that one. Ricky Otto tore us a new one that day. You in Brim? Yeah, Ricky Otto. Aye, aye. He was at late, ex-late Norian player, wasn't he? Mm. Ricky Otto, I think, yeah. So we leave the old den. We go to the new den. Yes. Obviously, the opening night of the new den, you was involved. Yes, Bobby Robson brought his um, sporting Lisbon side there. And then, like I said, technically, you know, keep saying about the, the Spanish and the Portuguese. Or what? I can't even remember the score of the game, Dan. You may put us right on two that. 2 one to them. The, the beat were 2-1. Uh, probably flattered with, the, the troop was none, but they were technically fantastic. And I think they had a few further down the line who went on to represent the, the national team on many occasions. A you young know, Luis Figo uh, played that night for them. There you go. There you go. So, so then we're top quality. I can remember them. They popped the ball about for fun. I didn't think we got much, you know, much of a sniff. Um, you, was, you said you was, you know, Mick McCarthy told you your time was up at the club and to look elsewhere and you had these talks with Swansea and, you know, a yes. long spell with Leighton Orient. But you played in that first game the first night at the New Day and okay, that was only a friendly. You then yeah. went on to play and start the next, the first four games of the season. Yes. And you scored uh, your only goal for the club on the opening day away at Stoke. Yes, you know what it is, Dan. Hey, Gamba, in Stoke is probably, I'm saying, a club who, well, I played for Port Vale and Port Vale Stoke's a big derby in the Potteries. In the two games I played for Port Vale in one, one season, I got the two winning goals and one nil victories. 
And, and I wasn't renowned for my goal scoring. That's for sure. 50 appearances for Millwall. And one goal. And that one goal was at Stoke. And probably, if I, uh, if I reflect and look back, that was probably my probably best game I played for Millwall in mm. terms of uh, performance-wise. Uh, I think Stoke had just been promoted into that division. Um, and we were, we were very good on the day. They had the likes of, I think... Is it Mark Steen up the top end of the pitch? That's some good players. Chris Kamara might have played that day, by the way. Um, Bruce Murray. I think me and Bruce Murray, the American lad, he got the goal, didn't he? He got a goal on that day. Yeah. You remember him? The big, big, I tall. Remember, yeah, big, yeah. big Molly, big, big heroes. Big, big lad. I, in the mid, he was a, like a powerhouse in the midfield. A kid called John Kerr, another American lad. Yeah. yeah. forward. He was sharpening around the box. He, I think he played that day, but what full value of the win. Pain in the best way possible. The bogey's away on the right. He's got Murray in the middle. He doesn't need him. He scored. It's Stoke City nil. Millwall won. Long ball downfield. A harmless one. And this should be played back easily by Tony McCarthy. But Kettle's off his line. Oh, it's a dreadful error by Tony McCarthy. And it's the equaliser for Stoke City. Gavin Maguire now battling in midfield, plays it out to the right. Ian Bogey now, he's got two in the middle to aim for. Finds John Kerr on the far post then. Kerr returns it to the middle. Murray, Bruce Murray, he scored! Stoke 1, Millwall 2. And like you said, I think I started the opening few games. Yeah, you did. First uh, four games, this one says, what, what changed? You, would you back in contention then or...? You must have been to be starting in the... Well, I think, I think it was... Uh, did Matt, was Malcolm Allen sold in the summer in that pre-season? Right. Newcastle okay. and I think at the time you know because obviously Mick being the manager he preferred that uh, the, the diamond shape and I think I was probably the, the closest suited that position at the time in terms of the players at his disposal so yeah I was really pleased obviously with the opening game I can't remember the, the games that came after that um, but like I said my time was short-lived, I think. After that, I, I, I went to uh, Leighton Orient. And it was a, a period of time at Leighton Orient where they had a lot of upheaval as well. Chairman, you know, the well-highlighted uh, documentary in terms of the club up for sale for a pound. The chairman, Barry Hearn, coming in. I was probably deemed as one of the higher earners. On well, I'm sorry, did you play on the John Sitton then? John sitting. I was in the dressing room. You know that documentary. Club for a fiver. Yeah, you was. I've yes, seen I it. played. Yeah, I played. The John Sitton was the manager. Chris Turner. You were, in the, you were in that room that day when he fucking said, "Bring, bring your fucking dinner and all that." Bring your dinner. He says, "Yeah." He says, "Because uh, you'll need it." He, it was a game. I tell you, it was a game against uh, Brentford. I think it was at home. Um, I think we we're getting beat about three 0 at half time, and he was fucking raging. He sacked. He sacked uh, the captain Terry Howard. Club captain at half time. He says, You, Teddy was playing on a week to week basis. He says, Come in the morrow, get your P45. You're finished. Uh, that was the straw that brought the camels back. And Teddy, he says, Actually, you're off now as well. You're coming off. Somebody else has come on. He says, You, you little fucker. And you, <laughs> you've seen it as well. Yeah, yeah, you big fucker. If you don't listen to me, he says, We'll fucking have it out. He says, And you fucking bring your dinner and bring your mate because you'll need it. He, and the sad thing about John, you know, John was, I think John was an ex-Millwall player as well, if I'm right to say. Yeah, yeah. John was a passionate bloke and he was a good coach. I tell you, he was a good, good coach. Mm. And this going to air and, and, and 
going out to the public, it probably ruined him, if they're true. And he probably admits that because on the training pitch, he was, he was very, very bright. I'd have to say he was one of the better coaches I've worked with. Because I'll run this fucking football club until I'm told otherwise by the fucking circus upstairs. If you come back at me, you'll be off the field and you'll be following Terry down the road. You come and see me tomorrow, you've got a fortnight's notice. Because that performance is the straw that broke the camel's back. And that will be not, not be tolerated in this dressing room while I'm in charge with Chris Turner. That is the fucking straw that broke the camel's back. That is typical fucking late Norian. Sit, you're too intense, you're fucking this, you're that, no one can talk to you. I never fucking followed two good games out of a fucking game like that. The reason I was intense because I wanted to play well again. And I'm wasting my breath on some of you. I'm wasting my breath on some of you. What did I say to you about good players? They want to be good players all the time. Don't you know how profound that is if you're not examining the fucking words? Because you've had two good performances and you think, I'm fucking Bertie Big Bollocks tonight. I'll fucking play how I like. But you won't play how you like, because if you play how you like, I'll fucking stick the youth to you. Because if I'm going to take abuse from a bunch of cockroaches behind you, I'll take abuse by doing it my way. And that is fucking conformity, not fucking non-conformity. So you, you little I'll tell you to do something. And you, you fucking big I'll tell you to do something, do it. And if you come back at me, we'll have a fucking right sort out of here. Alright? And you can pair up if you like. And you can fucking pick someone else to help you and you can bring your fucking dinner. Because by the time I'm finished with you, you'll fucking need it. Do you fucking hear what I'm saying or not? Well, I don't think he works again after that in football. He's a, he's a London black cabbie now. I know. I heard that. I heard that's what I'm saying. That documentary down to him not working again in, in football. I think, I think, I think under, you know, John will probably look back at his time because when I was at Millwall and Peter Eustace took, took us to Millwall with Chris Turner, his assistant, Peter was sacked. And what they did is they elevated John from the youth team manager to first team manager with Chris being assistant and he took control of everything. And I think he hated to, to see that. And it wasn't, look, it wasn't the one for try and it just didn't gel. You know, we had some good players, mm. Trevor Putney, Colin West, but good player, Danny Carter. We had a good squad of players at Leighton Orient, but for some reason it just never worked out. Yeah. And I hated the th fact that I think some of the players were on decent money in there and, and he wasn't on the greatest salary being a youth team coach. Right. And it, 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 it rankled with him a bit, so... He wasn't too happy with that, and the frustration again. Like I said, him looking back, um, he's probably looked back and said, "Oh, that documentary's killed him because he was a good coach." Yeah. So sorry, I took you away from it. I took you to uh, to John Sitton because I, I love that documentary. I've watched it a couple of times. But Hi. I was trying to get to the bottom of the Millwall thing, where obviously Mick told you you could leave. He wasn't yeah. favoured. Then you start the first four games of the season. You said that's maybe because Malcolm Allen went. But then you, did you leave after those four games? Because I, I, I checked the the Mill history site earlier and you didn't um, just didn't that was it he was done after that I think them four games I think I left if I remember right I went on loan to Orient um, probably maybe before Christmas or just after Christmas yeah, it just seems weird like you, you, you started the you started the championship season you're doing well yeah and all of a sudden you, you, you know, you've been you've been moved on to a, a club in lower division. If you're planning on doing well, scoring goals, it just seems... Well... Uh, would it today, in today's terms? A championship player doing well, scoring goals? I, I actually, Dan, the dropped down into the uh, reserves. I played for the reserves. That's when, you know, the reserves now, it's like under-21 football. Yeah. Then, uh, I obviously, had to, you know, knuckle down and play in the reserves. Uh, what was it? The Neville-Ovenden Combination League, was it? Something like that, yeah. Something like that. 
played the likes of Fulham and Swindon and teams like that. And it was a bit soul destroying, but I, you know, I just knuckled down thinking, well, at the time you never know who's watching. Mm. So I just knuckled down and ended up, like I said, I went to Leighton. He says, look, a Leighton Orient want to take in. I was a bit Leighton Orient, Millwall are like what is now the championship, first division at the time. Millwall, uh, Leighton Orient were like two leagues below and I thought, fucking hell, should I really go? So I says, look, I need to be playing. If I do well there, somebody else will come. And that's what was my mindset. Yeah. Get in the shop window, playing proper football in front of a few thousand people. Yeah. Oh yeah, well, uh, I wasn't. I wasn't questioning like your decision around uh, your mentality. I'm questioning why a manager would start someone first four games of the season. They score one goal in those four games. Teams do well and just completely drop them out of it. it just seems a little bit of a well. It's it's uh, hey, again, Dan. It's a, a football. You know the beauty of football. It's all about opinions, isn't it? You know yeah. whether the supporters think, oh, he's a player. The manager, for some reason, you know, other other thoughts, other ideas about how he's going to fit in his system, how he's his team, etc. So ultimately, hey, I never fell out with Mick, you know, like I said beforehand. He had a bit of a rant because I never you know, went to Swansea at the time. But, you know, I've, um, I don't think I've, I've came across Mick. I've, I have actually, yeah, he was managing Sunderland. I went to watch a, a Newcastle Reserve game up at Kingston Park and I seen Mick and Ian Evans. And like I said, it wasn't your animosity and... You know, we shook hands and asked us how we were, you know, each other were. And yeah, he's obviously, you know, he's been in football so long, management now, and he's, he's obviously, you know, knows what he's up, knows what he's doing, and does things right. And somewhere along the line, the amount of time he's been in the game. Of course, of course. Like I said, he's had a he's had a sterling career, hasn't he? Let's be honest. He's uh, you, you did a come back to um, to, not to haunt us, but you come back with Paul Val and scored against us. In God, the game. I forgot about that. I forgot about that. Because when I was when I, was and, I couldn't find any pictures of you in a mural kit. It, God, I just just you on your own, or you know, other than in a team photo. One that popped up is you going around the gut, around, <laughs> you going around uh, Casey uh, Keller and sticking it in the net. I that was actually, you know what it is. I forgot all about that, Dan. You're seeing that, and that was a great that that was a game that I had a real good game, an evening game at the the new stadium, the new den. Yeah, uh, I can remember we actually stayed in that hotel in Bexley Heath at the bottom. Marriott, just off the year two. Oh, the, um, Black Prince, yeah. Yeah, we stayed in that hotel and had a pre-match meal. I can remember it. And we won three. What Alex Ray was playing on Millwall. We were excellent. We were a good side at Portville, by the way. Yeah. Good, good players. And uh, when I knew I was playing, and obviously Mick was the manager because you know, it's like in the players, it's in these makeup. And if somebody doesn't want you, 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 it's all about proving people wrong. Yeah. And I needed to be proving Mick McCarthy wrong on that night for sure. You know, I was a Port Vale player, scored in the where the Port Vale fans were behind the, the goal to the left of the tunnel side. I can remember it, gone round Casey and putting one in. And it was a top performance by us. But um yeah, I can remember that, yeah. That was a, that was yeah. not great for the Millwall fans for sure, but uh definitely I enjoyed that night. Definitely yeah, a, bit of a sweet moment for you, yeah. So you definitely I'm uh, sure. Give you a little bit of an extra ten percent, I suppose you wanted to prove him wrong and it's always the case. You can ask any player that. If a, if a, if a, the manager or whoever shifts you on, and I'm not saying I didn't get on with Mick, and I was disappointed, obviously, with what happened at, at certain occasions. You see him coming out with the team and what tell you. Footballs are all about proving people wrong, and ultimately, I've, uh, you know, I had a, another spring in my step on that evening for sure. Fair play to me. What are you up to now? Are you still in the game? Yes, I'm coach. I'm the full-time coach with the Newcastle United under 16s. Nice. Um, so I've been working Newcastle, uh, obviously my career from leaving, 
Millwall, I went to obviously went to Leighton Orient. I had the, the spell at Port Vale for four or so years, which was probably me the best. They probably seen the best there is at that club. From there, I moved on to Kidderminster, who were managed by Jan Mulby, who had just came into the football league from the conference. What's a player he was as well, by the way? He was a man, yeah, he was a player, he was a proper player, Jan Mulby in his day. So I had a, I had a spell there before coming out of the game with injury. Then I obviously went on to management. Uh, managed, uh, I took Gateshead from the, which there was the old Unibond League up until the Conference National League. Two successful promotions to get them in the, the top division. We're a division below that now. And I managed Stockport County for a period of time as well uh, before coming out of management and back into the coaching. And I've been at Newcastle for some five or six years and now I'm full-time working with the under-16 players. So, Full circle, mate. Back where you started the Newcastle. Back where you started as a young and I, that's right. Back, <laughs> you know, that's, Do you want to get back to management if you can? You know what it is, Dan? It's one of them now at my, my age and the, the security. There isn't any security in management anymore, particularly at the level I'm working at. You know what I mean? It's different if you're managing the Premier League and you get a big bundle of a payoff and you're set for life. You know, I've got to be realistic. If I'm going to manage somewhere, it's going to be in the lower leagues. You know, and, the, and what comes with management is in the lower leagues, if you play Saturday, Tuesday, Saturday, and you lose three games, you might be out of a job. Mm. And it's a rat race at the minute. I think down the leagues at the minute, the finances are crippled. Um, so at the minute, I'm enjoying what I'm doing, trying to help, try to get some of the young players through. Um, I'm not saying in any job in football is secure. It's a bit more security, I would say, working and coaching in the academy than it is working at full-time management. I enjoyed the time, you know, getting up in the morning and trying to get yourself in the top part of the table or top three or try to stay out the bottom four and, you know, that give a bit of edge. But um, did I miss it? Yes, definitely. But in terms of where I am in my life at this moment of time, I'm quite happy doing what I'm doing. Mm. I think Paul Stevenson said to me, it just shows the calibre of that Newcastle youth team. You was all in, that you was all still playing professional into your, well into your 30s and you're all still you know, in and around the game, you know, the majority of you. Well, yeah, yeah. Like I said, I know for a fact uh, the likes of Brian Tinian's had a sterling career and he's, he's at Bristol City, the left back. Obviously, Steve has been in and out. Of the, he's, he's coached at some decent clubs and been assistant manager at a lot of clubs. Um, so yeah, with we've, we've some some great players there, I've had some great careers, definitely. Always end with um, one funny dressing room story, if you can think of one. A dressing and room story at Millwall. One night out as well, and you can take three-year-old Millwall teammates with you. you can know, only take three of them. Ah, uh, um, well, it have to be. Uh, take three teammates out. It would have to be obviously Malcolm. Well, actually, I came across Malcolm. Malcolm Allen, because he was a, a real character. He had the same sort of sense of humour as me. Great lad. And I actually ended up working for Malcolm. Malcolm ran a college setup <coughs> with different colleges throughout the country. And I coached for the college on the doorstep. And he was the head of the organisation at the time. He set right. it up. That was a football, um, like a, running a college team. Yeah. And he set it all up. Malcolm, with his connection when he was at Newcastle and what are you? And I actually was the head coach at um, at the college, Tame Metropolitan College, on my doorstep when Malcolm ran that many years ago. So Malcolm Furry's definitely great character. Uh, 
obviously me and Steve, I get on famously anyway. It's like a brother to me, Steve. I grew up in, you know, with a good fortune of coming through at Newcastle together and um, being at Millwall with Steve. And, and I'd have to say Malcolm Allen, definitely. John McGinley, because he was dry Scottish sense of humour. And my father, my father was a Glaswegian because I like, and I like John's sense of humour. And you're looking for one more, it'd have to be probably Aidan Davison. Because Aidan Davison uh, had some uh, good sing-alongs on the back of the bus. He had the same sort of taste as me. Uh, he wasn't as good as a singer as me, Aidan, but he, was a, he, had, he had good crack. So them three were definitely, for a, for a night, they were, you know, their banter was top draw. Well, listen, it's been a real pleasure talking to you. Yeah. Really, really enjoyed it. Appreciate your time and good to see you still in the game. And all the best of it at Newcastle. Hopefully you get back into management at some point if that's what you want. Uh, like I said, Dan, I think I'm quite happy what I'm doing at this moment of time. Uh, maybe it's progress and hopefully one day managing a little bit higher up. But uh, staying at the level I'm at, I'm, I'm quite content with that. Um, and I'd like to obviously wish you the best of luck yourself. Cheers, mate. Uh, appreciate you know the, the Zoom meeting and it's been a pleasure to speak to you. And wish Millwall every success for next season. And hope we'll get the fans back. And that's the most important thing, isn't it? Because yeah, then they'll be chomping at the bit because they need the supporters. And, and I know how passionate they are. And I'm wishing them well as well. Because uh, I, you know, I met some great people when I lived down in the southeast. Brilliant. Top man. Well said, mate. Thanks for joining us. Look after yourself, Dan. And anytime you need us, give us a bell, pal. Good man. All the best, Ian. Take care, pal. Good Cheers, mate. Dan. Bye. Cheers, pal. 